someone once asked me who my best friend is. You're always hesitant maybe to answer that question because you're not necessarily sure what they're thinking, but you pretty much know what you're thinking. There are so many people that I could name in an answer to that question. There have been people that I've been close to over all of these years. There are uh, guys that I grew up with uh, back home when I was a little boy. There are teammates. There are classmates. There are uh, folks that I serve with in the Navy. There are ministers that I, I've known for years. There are so many people that I could name. I think of the things that I did with those individuals, the fun that we had, the laughter that I enjoyed, the tears uh, at times that were shed. And uh, I wonder uh, what they think uh, insofar as uh, if they look back. I wonder if I gave them anything. I wonder if they enjoyed my relationship with them as much as I have enjoyed uh, my relationship with them. I wonder if over all these years, my relationships have really only been for my benefit. If I was only concerned about my happiness or my joy, even if it was fleeting. What is the purpose of a relationship? What is that really all about? Um, if my relationships only exist to make me happy and to bring me joy, then it's not going to take people too long to really conclude that I am nothing more than a selfish jerk. But that makes me ask the question again. What if the point of our relationships is more than that? What if our relationships have the capacity and the ability to last beyond this life? What is the point of our relationships, of our friendships? We're looking at the story of Jesus' interaction uh, with a woman at a well. We read about this in John chapter 4. Um, <clears throat> we read uh, most of it last week. We're going to read some more of it this week. And in reading uh, these sections, uh, we're going to answer, I believe, what the point of our relationships really is. Remember that Jesus has left Jerusalem. He's traveling north into Galilee. And as he travels on his way, he goes through this area that was known as Samaria. It's the middle of the day and he stops to rest at a well. And while he's resting there, a, a Samaritan woman comes up to draw water from the well. He asks her for some water. She's caught off guard by his question, not because the question was weird, he's sitting at a well, he's thirsty, he's tired, but because he's a Jewish man, she's a Samaritan woman, and, and there's racial tension there. We talked about that last week, and that racial tension is as palpable as the tension that we've all been living through in this last uh, seven, ten days or more, still living through. It was just as real to them as our tension is to us. She said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. We're not supposed to 
be associating, even talking. After she got past the shock of having this Jewish man uh, speak to her, Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and you knew who was asking you for a drink of water, you would be the one asking me for a drink of water. This conversation kind of goes back and forth. They talk about uh, the, uh, the well itself. They talk about um, <clears throat> her relationship and relationships, her life story. And then they get into a discussion about religion. They, they talk about where it is best to worship. And, and Jesus kind of sets that uh, uh, all down and, and, and settles the matter, really. Uh, follow along with me in John chapter 4, starting with the 21st verse. He says, believe me, dear woman. The time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. Why were they shocked? Because not only were Jewish people not supposed to speak to Samaritan people, but Jewish men were not supposed to speak alone with any woman of any kind. So they're shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he's indeed the savior of the world. It's really clear that what happened that day changed so many lives. It's the day where everything changes. It's the day that makes a difference for so many. You've had those days. I've had those days the day that many have enjoyed and the, ba- and the day that many more want to enjoy. Have you had a day like that? A day where everything changes? January 25th, 1987. It's the day I met Leslie. November 14th, 1994. is the day I became a father. And August 12, 1977, it's the day I was baptized into Christ. 
Now you might think, oh, of course, the preacher, he's going to have to pull that baptism thing and set that aside. No, it's a lot more than that. Because without that day, I'm no different than the woman at the well before she met Jesus. I'm no different than any other life that wanders around choosing to decide that day what's important and the next day something else is important. I'm just wandering around and I am a life full of scars trying to figure out what's best each and every day. Nothing compares to the good decision that I made that day having found Jesus to follow him. What I'm trying to tell you is that uh, there is a, a priority to the relationships that we have in our lives. Each of those uh, relationships, we get this. We really do. It's not necessarily some sophisticated sociological thing. We get this. Each and every day, we choose the priorities for our lives and we choose the relationships that have priority in our lives. Generally speaking, the marriage relationship has priority over the parental relationship. And the parental relationship has priority over the employment relationship or maybe uh, the recreational one. My kids are more important than my job. My my marriage is more important than uh, uh, the things that uh, my kids are involved in. We get all those kind of priorities and we choose those things each and every day. Do you know that we even have relationships with ourselves? It sounds kind of weird, but when you think about it, we choose to protect ourselves. We choose to give things ourselves. We choose to keep things for ourselves. You are the most influential person in your life. That's why your relationship with Jesus needs to be first. That's the priority that needs to be in place. Jesus said to the woman, if you knew who was talking to you, if you knew who was asking for water, if you knew the gift of God that was speaking before you, by the way, Trey's working on a a message uh, that he's going to present next week on that very thing. What's the point about Jesus? If you knew the gift of God and who wanted to give that gift to you, uh, you wouldn't be talking to me about wells and about mountains on which to worship. You'd put Jesus at the forefront of your life right away. Jesus is saying, if you knew who he really was, if you knew the power that he had, you wouldn't waste any more time. You'd jump at the opportunity to have him in your life in a second. As I said, you are the most influential person in your life. You willingly decide each and every day who's going to have authority and who's not. What what authority you will surrender and what you will not surrender. We surrender control of things each and every day. There are people every day who decide what you're going to eat. Can you imagine if you walked into your house and you told your wife or you told someone else, um, I would like for you to make this for me right now. Yeah, how long would that last, right? Usually what happens is someone says, dinner's ready, come and eat, and you eat whatever's on the table. 
That's usually how that goes. I mean, good grief. Think about it. We've surrendered the ability to go wherever we want for the last three months. Haven't we? We choose to surrender things all the time. So when a guy like me tells someone like you that I I really want to encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus, we tend to say, but that's a little different. It sounds like something that you would expect me to say, but there has to be an order of importance. There really does. Otherwise, the most influential person you know on any given day is going to be the person that tells you what to do. Even sometimes if that person is you. As I said, you are so influential to yourself that you might even convince yourself that you know more than Jesus does. That you can do more than Jesus can. That you can fix the mess in your life more than Jesus can. If we surrender to Jesus, though, we're afraid that he might take us somewhere we don't want to go or keep us somewhere that we don't want to stay. You might have thought that I messed up in the beginning when I didn't immediately acknowledge that Leslie was my best friend. Some of you are saying, oh, finally, he's getting there. I need you to understand Leslie's not my best friend. Jesus is. And I think I can authoritatively speak for Leslie right now that I'm not her best friend. Jesus is. I can confidently say that both Leslie and I have told our children that we don't want us to be the most important people in their life. We don't even want their spouses, for the two of them that are married, to be the most important person in their life. We told them from their earliest days, who do you love more? We want you to love Jesus more. Neither of us, Leslie or myself, are really intimidated by that in any way, shape, or form. I want Jesus to be the first place in my kid's life, and I want Jesus to be the first place in your life because there's an enormous amount of health in all of that. This is the conversation that Jesus is having with the woman at the well. She's not sure, and so she keeps, she keeps trying to come uh, to one-up Jesus in this discussion. Well, uh, let's talk about this well. Let's talk about geography. Let's talk about worship. Let's talk about Jerusalem. Let's talk about this mountain. And <clears throat> Jesus uh, isn't going to get involved in this, uh, is this the best place to worship? Is this the place, uh, best place to have church? He, he's not going to do that because he understands that once we follow him, he is all that we really need and everything that comes after that is just good. It's extra. Once we follow Jesus though, uh, we're, we begin to think to ourselves, why did I wait so long for this? Why was I so afraid? everything he's given me and everywhere he's led me is better than everything that I thought I was going to have and everything I had that I was afraid to let go of. And do you know what happens then? Do you know what happens then? The very first thing that she did when she left the well, she went and told somebody about it. 
She went and let somebody know what Jesus had done. When your relationship with Jesus takes first place in your life, then your relationship with Jesus needs to be shared. When Jesus becomes the most important person in your life, you can't keep it in anymore. It's so good and it's so much better than you thought it was going to be. You just got to tell somebody. That's what happens. She left her water jar. The very reason why she was going to the well in the first place no longer is the number one priority for her day. She leaves her water jar uh, at the well and she runs back to the village to tell everyone. She didn't come back to the village and tell them that Jesus had just settled an argument about where the best place was to have church. That's not what she did. She told them what had happened between Jesus and herself. She talked about her story. Sometimes we're afraid to talk about our faith. In a gotcha culture, in a social media feeding frenzy, we're afraid to just about say anything because it is so personal. But I'm not talking about standing on a street corner and broadcasting. I'm not talking about the, the impersonal interaction sometimes or oftentimes that happens on a social media post. I'm talking about the people that you know and the people that know you. Sometimes we're afraid uh, because we're afraid to share our, our life with Jesus because we think it's supposed to be everything theological. And that's not really how it even begins. It starts with your story. It starts with your experience. It starts with what's happened between you and Jesus. Just like the woman at the well. You're afraid sometimes though that a discussion like that might damage or even harm some relationships. It can, I know. I've seen that myself. But what if some of the best friends you've ever had, you haven't met yet. What if because of your story, what's happened between you and Jesus, you meet someone and you begin to talk to them and they share their life with you. You share what's happened between you and Jesus with them. They come to find out that what your story is is exactly what their story, they hope their story can be. And as a result of that, a lifelong friendship starts up that you never could imagine having been without. Sometimes we're also afraid because getting in the middle of people's lives can be messy. It can be really hard. We surrender control of our lives and we're so grateful that we did that. We've learned lessons the hard way because when we didn't surrender control, we, we, we lost, we blew it. We made more of a mess. We finally surrender control to Jesus and things get healthier, they get better and we try to give that experience to other people but sometimes other people don't learn the way that we learned. Sometimes they learn faster, sometimes they learn slower. Sometimes they have a, a, a greater threshold of emotional and spiritual pain. Sometimes they have a very shallow threshold of pain. 
Philip Yancey in his, in his book, Church, Why Bother? He said, it really is more blessed to give than receive, but it's also more draining. It takes time to share your relationship with Jesus with other people. And sometimes it doesn't even start with let me tell you about what Jesus has done. Sometimes it's not even a conversation. Sometimes it's just helping someone. Sometimes it's just encouraging someone. Sometimes it's just as simple as shaking one's hand or helping them for a day. There's an interesting story that happens when uh, Jesus is teaching a crowd Uh, the crowd has 5,000 men and their families and and they've been listening to Jesus teach all day long and and his followers come up to him and they say, we've been here all day long. You need to let these people go into town and uh, let them get something to eat. And Jesus said, they don't need to go in town. You can feed them. They're caught off guard. They never considered that because of their relationship with Jesus, that they could feed them in ways that have nothing to do with food. And I want you to understand that because of your relationship with Jesus, you can help them in ways that have nothing to do initially with a conversation about church. We're talking all about those things right now in culture. And some of those things... They're going to fade away in just a a, a few more days time in a couple more weeks. We're going to be on to the next mess, but people are still going to be hurting and people are still going to be needing the hope that you have. I want to encourage you to make sure that your relationship with Jesus is first in your life. And I want to encourage you to understand that now that your relationship with Jesus is first in your life, he's going to bring people into your life to share with others about what's happened between you and Jesus. Did you notice in the story what happened? Jesus is talking uh, with her. She leaves the well. She goes back to the village, talks with other people, says, you need to know what happened. You need to meet this man that I've met. They go out, they meet Jesus, and what do they say? We don't believe anymore, excuse me, we don't believe anymore uh, because of what um, you said. He's been in our village for a a couple of days. We now believe because he has been with us. You see, you don't have to say it all. You don't have to have it all figured out because Jesus is gonna help them figure it out. Jesus is going to work in their lives the way that he worked in her life. Jesus is going to work in their lives the way that he worked in your life. And that's the way that Jesus works. We say every single Sunday that we're here to help people find and follow Jesus. Jesus has given us a commission for you and I to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching these new new disciples to obey all the commands that he gave to you and to me. And Jesus said, you and I, we're going to be his witnesses, telling people about him everywhere. What if our relationships aren't just about here? 
What if our relationships aren't just about having fun here, laughing here, having joy here? What if our relationships are are the only thing that we can take with us to heaven? If that's true, then why do we work so hard to get things that we can't take with us? Why do we work so hard to hold on to the things that we're not going to take with us when we go to be with God? Why don't we put those efforts into the relationships that we have with people, people that we truly love, memories that are some of the best things that we've ever had. We've got more pictures on our phones than we really know what to do with. And why are we keeping 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 pictures on our phones? Because they are memories of people that are precious to us. Snapshots of joy that warm our hearts. And God's got so much more waiting for us. He sent Jesus to rescue us. And having been rescued, Jesus sends us to rescue them. There's someone who needs to know Jesus that you know. Father, thank you so much for the hope that we have and the joy that we have. Thank you for the blessing that you've given to us to make a difference in our lives. Lord, over and over again, we see people that we know. We know people that need to know who you are. And at times we're afraid to say things, but then there are times when you give us the courage. And sometimes it's just a simple conversation of, hey, do you have some water? Sometimes it's a simple question, are you okay? But God, you came to us in our need. Send us to them in theirs. Father, help us to love people the way that you love us. Father, help us to make a difference so that they in turn go to their friends and they say, Let me introduce you to someone who knows me even better than I know myself. Who loves me even in spite of all the things that you know that I have done. Father, as you have loved us, help us to love one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.